You thought that thing that everyone marked you as a black sheep, you thought that thing that you did that no one would ever want to know about or that struggle you went through or that hardship you encountered, how could I ever do anything with this? In your weakness, He is made strong. Give your testimony to Him and He will bless that. Your pit becomes your platform. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. I'm going to have our deacons actually go right now. We're going to have, have them pass something out to you. So while you're finding your last seats, the deacons are going to go out and pass something out to you. This is one of my favorite evenings of the year that we do, uh, the Night of Testimonies. And the reason is because of what I'm going to outline to you right now. So they're going to be passing this out, and I want everyone to have a copy of this paper I want you to keep this. I want you to take it home. I want you to read these passages repeatedly at least once a month because it's that important. I wrote this up uh, over the last few days and I just really want to share this with you. And then it's literally just whatever the Holy Spirit brings from you, whatever you're going to bring. Because this mic is someone's tonight. And it might be you, it might be the person next to you, and so I'm going to encourage you tonight to just be in prayer. Be in prayer that God would speak through someone, that someone would be raised up to share a word that someone in here needs to hear. You can talk about the Acts church where the Holy Spirit was thick in a place. I want the Holy Spirit to be like that in this place every weekend, but especially tonight. And so I'm going to pray for us right now because I think it's just that important. Jesus, speak into your brothers and sisters. Father, we are so grateful that we're called sons of you and sons with your son. And so tonight, Father, would you speak loudly through your people? God, some people here have been hurt. Some have triumphed. Some have struggled. Some have crawled. But we've all made it to this day, to this place. And so God, my prayer is that you would raise up men and women to speak boldly tonight because there's someone here who might be an unbeliever and needs to hear a word of conviction. There's someone here who's deeply struggling and needs to hear a story of struggle and triumph. And there's someone here tonight who's in a season of weakness and have walking away potentially in the back of their mind and they need a story of reconversion. And so, Jesus, would you raise up your children tonight boldly? In your name we pray, amen. I want you to follow along with me in this paper just for a moment. Everything on here I'm going to read to you. And so, the power of your testimony, let's just look at what it means in definition-wise. If you don't have a piece of paper, the deacons are walking through. If you need one, please take one of these. You need to have a copy in front of you. Uh, Raise your hand if you do not have one. 
In definition, there's three definitions of testimony. A formal, written, or spoken statement, especially one given in a court of law. So it's pretty serious when someone gives a sworn testimony. Now listen to this deeper level of the word. It's an evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. When someone gives a testimony, now it's proven by their word. This means this is something that someone has gone through. And lastly, a testimony is a public recounting of a religious conversion or experience. So we share our testimony ultimately because God shares his testimony. Recounted to us in 1 John chapter 5, 9 through 11, we accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about who? His son. Whoever believes in the son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out is to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. We testify because of what God did in his son Jesus. It is about the word of Christ in human flesh who died on the cross and has given us the opportunity of life again. And because God testifies about that, we too are then called to do the same. So what is our testimony about and why do we share it? First off, he paid everything for us on the cross and we're blessed Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. So when someone comes up here tonight and shares something, it isn't because they willed their way to victory. It isn't because they were able to do anything truly in and of themselves. It is because the word of God made evident to them, brought conviction, and they were led to a decision And now they're blessed because of what Jesus did for them. Number two, we tell the world what Jesus has done for us. Psalm 66, 16, come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. David was very open about this. Let me tell you about what God did for me. Psalm 105, 1, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. The testimony is so powerful that it isn't just something that we do here. This is something that David said, I need to tell the nations. Friends, I am so excited about missions because I believe that God needs more people to move locally across the street, locally across your neighborhood, to your, to your peers, to your neighbors around you, but also overseas We need people who are willing to go and dedicate their lives and potentially die overseas and never come back to America. We need people who are willing to sacrifice in this life. David said, may the nations hear of the testimony of Jesus. I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to ever talk to someone who's never heard the name of Christ. My wife and I spent some months in the country of Nepal And while we were there, I had the opportunity to share with countless people who had literally never heard the name of Jesus. And you're like, what? Does that exist? Oh, 
It exists, and there are billions of people. Who will tell them? Who? Hopefully, one of you might be one of those. But it also might be one of you who's going to tell your neighbor. Number three, our duty is to encourage each other in God's goodness by our testimony. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us continue to consider how to motivate one another in love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. Consider COVID and people don't want to be together. But encouraging one another even more as you see the day of the Lord coming near. Testimony is about encouragement. Number four, your difficulty, your struggle, we can call it the pit, literally becomes your platform that you get to declare what God has done in your life. You thought that thing that everyone marked you as a black sheep, you thought that thing that you did that no one would ever want to know about or that struggle you went through or that hardship you encountered, how could I ever do anything with this? In your weakness, he is made strong. Give your testimony to him and he will bless that. Your pit becomes your platform. Philippians 1.12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul wrote this when he was thrown into prison. And he said, this was done to me so that I might be able to advance the gospel. What? Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. All things, even your hardship. So why is it absolutely vital to share your testimony? You are the light to a dark world. And if you don't shine the light, who will? Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16. You're the light of the world. A city cannot be hidden when it is located on a hill. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, everyone who lights a lamp, puts it on a lampstand. Then its light shines on everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine in front of people. Then they will see the good that you do and praise your Father in heaven. Some people may never experience the gospel by word, but they might see it through your life. It's a hard calling to be a Christian because it means you suffer. It means when you want to jump into sin like everyone around you or you're tempted, it means the act of suffering and self-denial. Why? Because your testimony is so important. Your light is that vital. I'm a pastor and I'll tell you the struggle to sin is deep within my core. But I know that every time I'm able to resist, because there's many days I don't, but when I can I know that this builds something beautiful for the kingdom. No one may see, but my Father in heaven does. May your light so shine. Number two, your story is the key that can unlock someone else's prison so they can trust Jesus and have eternal life. Revelation 12, 11, like Wayne so beautifully read, they triumphed over him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much to shrink from death. 
You are the only Bible that some unbelievers will ever read, John MacArthur. If you give it to God, he transforms your test into a testimony, your mess into a message, your misery into a ministry. Oof! I know it's unknown. Maybe I could take credit for that one. I don't know. It's out for dibs. While we cannot know a person's heart, we can see his light. Allowing sin to go unconfessed can dim God's light and hinder the effectiveness of a life's testimony. Paul Chappelle. Friends, tonight the mic is open. There's no music being played right now to soften your mood and to bring some kind of conviction to you to come up here. It is literally just the Holy Spirit. Friends, who's going to come up right now? I'm going to invite you to just start making your way up. If there's a few of you that would like to share something, and I'm going to ask you to just start kind of having a seat right here at the front. And when that person's done up here, then the next person just come up. And so this is going to be an experience of faith as a pastor because I don't know what you're going to say. And I literally put chains around the pulpit. I don't just let anyone speak in front of God's people. But I know that you are believers and God has done something in your life. And so right now I want to invite you actually. So I'm going to step off the stage. It's going to be a little bit awkward because I'm going to leave and there might be no one up here. But we're going to sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to just pray. Why don't you just pray for your life, for your brothers and sisters. And if there's something that God puts in your heart, I want to just encourage you to come and say that. And after you speak, just make your way down. Christian, you're first. Come, brother. Praise God, man. Praise God. Sweet. Hi, guys. I'm Christian. I have a few things in my past that I've uh, had to deal with. Some beanbag pain that a few of you guys know here. I was literally on the floor yesterday and I couldn't even move. And now, like, I can move. But the one thing that I really wanted to share was um, three years ago, August of last year, I had a surgery. I don't know many of you know, but, like, I've got a nice fatty little scar here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty brutal. Um, <clears throat> no, what? So my testimony is for those who are studying for a test, who, are, who have failed the test, are going through a really hard time because of other things happening in your life. For example, it was a January where I started realizing that this lump was growing. That January was also the January that I first took my PTA exam, <clears throat> and then I realized that I failed for the first time, which I was like, crap, because you know, now I wanna work, now I can't work, now I have to wait another what is it, like six months or four months to take my next text? Well, in the middle of that studying time, I started realizing that this lump kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I wanted to prolong it and everything like that, but it was to the point where before my surgery, just FYI, it ended up being like half the size of a softball, 11 centimeters wide and a six centimeters thick. All that process, I didn't have insurance because I just graduated from, you know, Loma Linda, and they're like, hey, good luck, guys. No, so no insurance from risk management. But then, you know, I found out that you can go to Medi-Cal. And long story short, you know, I had friends and I kept sharing my stories, sharing my, like, you know, frustrations with my friends. And my key is that, like, friends are your, they're your life support. You know, my friends here 
are my life support. Um, can't look at you guys. Gets all like emotional. Um, <clears throat> but in that in that process of going through ER twice, going through like surgery department, going through dermatology, going through plastic surgery, going through. I mean, <clears throat> we're talking like every surgery, like everybody was all, like literally looking at me trying to make the scans and everything because I ended up having a surgery, one here to remove that. They put a wound back and they removed massive flap from this leg to this part here and then a skin graft from here. So I was in the hospital. It should have been a month in the hospital, but I was there for two weeks because my parents were able to come and help me and everything. But thankfully, in April, I passed my boards despite, despite everything. So <laughs> if you're ever... <clears throat> If you're ever in that pit where you just feel like, can anything worse go on? Just remember that there's other people out there who have made it. You know, I beat cancer every year. Everything, all the CAT scans have all come clear. I somehow miraculously passed my boards because I have, I suck at taking tests. I love the practical part about it. I'm, I love treating my patients, but when it comes to like reading a book, I'm like, oh, good Lord, I can't, you know, this, this is horrible. So my testimony to you is that, yes, I failed an exam. It sucks. It sucks to fail, you know, because you can't do anything. You're out there like, how do I make money to a living when I have to pay rent, I have to pay all this kind of stuff, yet I still have to pay for another test, you know, hundreds of dollars. I have to go through this other issue, whether yours might not be cancer, yours might be like a relationship, a relationship problem. But friends, I kid you not, are the things that held me. People always ask me, like, how are you always happy? How are you always, like, I was in the hospital just jamming, and I'm, like, having a blood pressure of, like, 180 over something because I wanted to walk from here to the back there because I'm sick and tired of being in my bed. But that's because my friends are like, oh, I can just go walk. I'm like, yeah. I literally had, a, there's a bunch of you here, <clears throat> at least there's, there should be a few of you here. Who I remember they just kept coming. Every day there's always somebody that was visiting me in the hospital. Every day somebody asked me, hey, how you doing? Even if it was just text, praying for you, bro. Like, that's simply it. That stuff makes the world ever different. So my encouragement to you, if you know somebody <clears throat> who is going through something, is about to go through something, a text, just saying something makes the world ever difference. And like, you know, this experience for me is that, <clears throat> what is that verse that I was reading at? Um, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are those called to his purpose. And, you know, things happen for a reason, right? Now I can tell my, my, I can tell my patients who are having... Back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Like, this thing here caused, like, an impingement here, caused a crazy amount of pain here. I couldn't even, like, you know, flex this leg all the way down because it was bad. But seven months of rehab with my friend's support, I was able to do a Tough Mudder that was, like, nine miles long. So that was, like, friends make the difference because all I wanted to do, <clears throat> all I wanted to do was just, like, be depressed because I was going from benching 250 pounds, five by five, to, like, I can't even, like, get on my knees and do one push-up because I, I was like shaking that bad. Going upstairs like that would make me like out of breath and I'm like, I need to sit down because I'm lightheaded. So there's hope, but friends, reach out to those who are feeling a little off. Anyways, that's my testimony, guys. All right. Um... Um, I'm a little nervous. Um, so my name is, I don't know how you do this. All right. <laughs> All right. So my name is Zarina, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit, like my own little testimony. So um, I was born in Russia, and I was eight months old when I got taken away from my birth mom, and I got put in an orphanage. I'm sorry if I'm talking so fast. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm getting emotional. There's a lot of you. things that are happening. But um <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is awesome. All right. So um I got okay. I got adopted by a family, um, and so I moved to the U.S. Like I was like five and a half, and oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> eight nine eight nine. <laughs> supposed to be private. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I was born in Russia, um, got taken away from my birth mom when I was eight months old and got put in an orphanage. And it was about there for like, until I was like five and a half and got adopted by like um, these white folks. And <laughs> so basically like, so I came to the US and not knowing any English or anything, I didn't even know what grass was. And so my parents put me in a public school. I'm sorry if this is fast paced, I'm trying to hurry. Um, and I remember just like crying there cause everybody was making fun of me cause I, I couldn't speak anything. And like, I just remember going home and just like asking, I don't know, in Russian, like <laughs> asking myself like, why has this happened to me and stuff. Um, so at the time my family, I was, my family was abusive, so, well, my adoptive family. Gosh. <laughs> um, dude, I'm sorry. I'm doing fine. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm getting emotional. I look stupid. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm breathing. Um, so. I was, like, when I came to America, I was abused for, like, 10 years, and, like, I had no escape. Like, they were just, like, this Christian, good-looking family, and I don't, like, nobody knew what was happening behind, like, closed doors. So, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, but when I moved here, we went to Mentone and I met Lucille, my aunt. <laughs> and um, she was one of my escapes out. Like she would take me places cause I needed to get out of the house and stuff like that. And like, it would just help me get away from my family. So I wouldn't be around that environment. And then um, I had a boyfriend and he was abusive too. And um, he got me hooked on like meth and drugs and all that stuff. And um, so when we broke up, like, I don't know, that just like teared me apart. And I was suicidal. I attempted an overdose, went to the mental hospital for like two weeks, was like surviving on a machine and somehow I'm alive. But I went to like a mental hospital and just got put on meds and that didn't help. And after I got back from the hospital, like a couple months 
no, a couple, yeah, a month ago, no, a month after the overdose, I met my math tutor. I suck at math, so, um, yeah. Um, so, sorry, I'm slow. Um, anywho, so we um, like met every day, and she would ask me like personal questions, like, and I was just like, I don't know, I was just, I didn't like to talk, and I was just like, very like, I don't know, I don't know, in my own world, I guess. But um, we started talking, and she started noticing like, I don't know, my mental health going down and everything. And we went on this retreat that she planned um, for the girls' retreat. And my math tutor was there. She helped planned it. And that week, me and my friend had a suicide pack, and I was going to hang myself. And so the, speak, um, the speaker actually, I don't know, what is, did you guys ask her to pray? You should tell them, like, what happened. Like, what the, oh, yes. I don't remember. Oh, okay. So she well, was, yes. Was, yeah. um, so her math tutor is, like, my sister, and um, we knew that she had planned the suicide pact and knew she couldn't go home. So the speaker and I, we, we prayed and said, God, we need a way out tonight. Um, and it's going to be hard because we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to suggest that she get admitted um, without her parents knowing. And that's that's a hard that's a hard a conversation to have when you're not ready for it. So we had that conversation. That's okay. All right. And um, yeah, so I ended up they ended up taking me in the middle of the night, or no, it was like ten, not middle of the night, like after the speech and like the activities. Um, it was really hard, but I knew they were doing it out of love. So I went to the hospital, stayed there for like two days, and I went to the Covina Mental Hospital. And over there, it was just horrible. Like, I got drugged, there was fights, there was like, just, I don't know, just like, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> um, so, Wait, what happened? Oh, yeah. So I knew I couldn't go back home. So CPS got involved with it and stuff like that. And um, my math tutor, she asked if I could, like, if I would like to live with her. And um, I eventually did. I mean, I am living with her now. So, <laughs> yeah. So basically what I'm trying to say is, like, I've been through it, and whoever else is going through that, you're going to make it. Um, like, it's okay. Like, just hold on to that one person. Just hope. Like, there's hope. That's basically what I'm trying to say. But that's it. I'm so sorry. Hey guys, um, so I spoke here for a, uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so those of you who were here then know my story in depth. I just wanted to say a quick reminder that those of you who are in the pits that we talked about then, the ones we've mentioned now, um, just continue to hold fast because deliverance will come. Um, I'm a chaplain 
part-time at the hospital, and I've been meeting with a person who's been there for 90-plus days. And watching their endurance and their hope and their peace despite their situation is beautiful. And I just want to encourage those of you guys who are struggling to keep struggling, keep fighting. You know, as long as you're fighting, you're not drowning. Um, so yeah, that's what I just wanted to say. Appreciate you guys. Hello, everyone. I wanted to share with you um, my side of the story in terms of, um, yeah, so I graduated from Loma Linda, you know, like a uh, university like 2020. And um, um, I went to like a, you know, I went to like a, I went to Avon Hope. And I don't know, I don't know. I was single at the time. I was like maybe 29 at the time. Um, you know how it gets annoying? Like everybody's finding somebody. And it's like, <laughs> and it, you know, it's not your story. You know, it's not your journey right now, because right? apparently God has a plan, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't know you don't know what it is. You have no idea. You're just like what? Um, but he has a plan. Um, so I'm like, God, you gotta take me out. I can't stay here. I can't be in like young adult churches anymore. I can't. This is too much. Um, so he did. So he, it was a process before I I worked in a junior Sabbath school at a church Mentone. There's no young adults there, not one. I'm like you know families with kids and. Nice stuff. Um, and so I went there and then I started teaching the youth class. And that's where I met Zarina and Josh and like all my friends, you know. Um, so it's great. So every week I get to share with them, like, yeah, guys, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, I'm single, blah, blah. You know, and they listen, they just, you know, a nod. It's like therapy. Um, so it's great being with them because they're just so like, oh, wow, Zil, we hope you, you know, we, we wish the best for you and stuff. <laughs> I love it because it's so simple and they're just so raw and honest, you know? So I've been blessed by being with them. So let me tell you this. I took my exam once for boards, didn't pass. Crushed me. Like, you know, I've never had problems with taking tests. Who does, you know, I don't know. That was not my journey. So then I, so then I, you know, had more time to spend with the youth. So, you know, take them out to eat here and there, not knowing I was actually developing something important, right? It's like potentially saving a life. I no idea. I take it a second time, didn't pass again. I was like, well, God, here we are. Like, do you not want me to work? You know? <laughs> Somebody. Okay. Um, I take it a third time. I don't pass. Oh. And I'm like, God. I don't know anymore. You know, I'm done. Like, literally, I was done. And the only people, what was great, because I didn't have to compare myself to anyone working with youth ministry, because they're all lower than me. They're all in high school. It's great. So I'm like, guys, yeah, they're, you know, to pass them. Like, yeah, we didn't pass our test either last week. I was like, we're all in the same boat. I love it. Um, so it was great. I tell you, it was the safest place I could have ever been. And God knows that. Like, he yes. knows that. Yes. 
I had time to plan a girls' retreat. That I, you know, we got Serena into a new family. Like it would never have happened if I had passed my exam. I would've been working. I would never had time for that. Now I'm a youth coordinator there. Um, the only reason is because I'm not passing my exams. <laughs> I'm like, God, any time now, you know? Um, and I share that with you. Now I'm at the point, I'm like, God, if you don't want me to pass my exams, I'm actually okay with it. And actually, I couldn't be okay with actually coming, to, like, this is my second time, like, honestly, being with young adults, like, a long time. Um, and they encourage me, like, yeah, let's go. you should probably hang out with your own peoples, you know? I'm like, you're right. Um, so, you know, I go, I go with them, and it, it's just a good place for me to be because they're teaching me, listen, why do you worry about what people think of you? Why is it such a concern for you? Yes. Um, Serena, she helps me so much. I, um, I don't know, I used to always dress in, like, athletic wear, you know? with them, and she's like, Lucille, you're 30, you can't be doing that anymore. <laughs> you know, you gotta dress, you know, step it up. So she bought me these, she's like, well, let's go shopping, you know what I mean? Like, I tell you, there's so much in ministry if you just kinda like take yourself sometimes out of what you're used to, put yourself in a new place, try something new. It's gonna be uncomfortable. You may not find nobody around you that's like at all like you, um, but you're gonna grow. You're gonna change, and like my mindset changes, I'm like, Whoa, parenting is, that's a big deal. I don't know, my God. Um, different things like that, it just change your perspective of life. And life is simple. It's simple with Jesus. It, it, it's that simple. And like, I'm learning that at its core, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful where I am. And I just want to encourage you guys, if you guys have ministries or like things that you guys want to do, but you're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, my friend's not doing it. Don't, who cares about your friend? That's right. That's you do you. Yes. Okay? Yes. Hi, everyone. Hello. I'm Sam. Hey, Sam. Oh, is it too low? Oh, okay. Yeah, Sam, I am. Yeah, yeah. Green eggs and ham. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my testimony is a little short, but uh, um, what I wanted to talk to you about was uh, something personal with me. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone with this story. So uh, there has been so many things that happened in my life. I just didn't know what to talk about. And I have many testimonies to share. So if you guys ever want to just, you know, have a conversation with me, I could share you those testimonies. But uh, one thing I just wanted to, uh, I guess, pack all together with all my experiences that I've had in my life, I've, for me, I've noticed personally how much, how much these, uh, these traumas or whatever life just throws at you you kind of shape your identity towards those things. And um, that's what I was doing. And I kind of got lost with who I was, my worth, my value, my identity with those things. And there's, there's a lot of stories. There's uh, one of the things I was dealing with was I went through a heartbreak once. That was one story and um, I've suffered, I've, I've been through anxiety, I've been through depression. And there were moments where I, I was suicidal too. I've had suicidal moments and 
I've never really saw myself get that low in my life. And I was desperate. I was desperate to want to get out of there. And I just felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. And I was pleading to God, asking him, Lord, who, who am I? Who am I? And where is my worth? Where is my value? Because I don't see as though I'm enough. And it took me to really take a step back, look back at all these moments in my life and seeing where God was in each moment of my life. And there were so many victories in each of those moments that I overlooked. I had to really take a step back and really think, man, where, what was it that you wanted me to see in these stories, in these moments of my life? And I saw so much victory. I saw so much victory, so much of the lies that I was creating in my mind. I saw how God kind of disputed those things. Like one of the things I was facing with was loneliness. And God reminded me that I wasn't alone. My favorite verse is uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will lift you up and uphold you with my righteous right hand. So every time I recite that verse, I literally picture him right there standing next to me. His arms around me telling me, Sam, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to... Everything's going to be okay. You do not have to carry this burden alone. I'm carrying it with you. And that's just something so beautiful about the gospel and what he did on the cross for us. And he died for our sin and a lot of these things that we carry that we were never meant to carry. He never wanted us to carry these things. And just going back to seeing what Jesus did for us on that cross, dying for us for our sins, any guilt, any shame, any fear, any pain, anything you're harboring, you can always surrender it to him. Yeah. Always surrender it to him. And that's, that's how, uh, through, through this experience or so many of these experiences in my life, I've seen just despite whatever circumstance, even when my circumstance is bad, God is always good. And just know that whatever you guys are going through, God is always good, and he's right there. He's listening to whatever you're going through, and don't be afraid to call out to him. Yeah, thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Fifi, or Fiorella. Um, and I just wanted to share a little part of my story. So I'll go back all the way to 2002. I'm five years old, and you know, I have a pretty decent life. Um, I'm from Peru, that's where the accent comes from. So I'm growing up in Peru and can't complain. I don't have many responsibilities. I have a pre um, pretty comfortable house, uh, very loving parents, and most importantly, a room full of toys. And you would think I was like, I'm completely happy and content, but that's not enough for a five-year-old Fiorella. Um, 
I actually wanted more. I wanted someone to share the toys with. I wanted someone to share life with. And I'm not talking about boys. Five-year-old me did not care at all about boys. But, <laughs> but I did want a little sibling. I was an only child. And um, I more specifically, specifically wanted a little sister. So as a good little Christian girl, you know, I, in the family worship, I would raise my hand and volunteer myself to pray. And I started praying to God for a little sister. Now, what was happening on the side is um, that my mom had had two miscarriages by then. She had lost two babies, and the doctors had told her she was really high risk, and the chances of her getting pregnant and having another baby were very, very low, so basically they gave her no hope. Obviously, I did not know, I did not understand, and I did not care. So um, what I did hear my parents saying, though, was, you know, Fifi, maybe that's just not God's plan for us. And what I remember thinking in my little genius five-year-old brain is, well, you know, they, they taught me that God always wants the best for us. He, he always wants what's best for us, and he will give us what's best for us. So I did not understand how I would not get what I'm asking for, because obviously that's the best for me. I mean, I want a little sister, and that's the best for me, so I'm going to keep asking for it. And I didn't just keep praying for it, but I went around and started telling friends and family that I was having a little sister, which made my parents very embarrassed and very uncomfortable, but I did not care. So I kept doing that, and I mean, months went by, mom gets pregnant, and I don't understand why everybody's shocked. I mean, I've been announcing this for months. But mom gets pregnant, and um, you know, she gets through the first trimester, which is always the most risky one. And she gets a checkup to find out the, the baby's gender. And, um, and then the doctor tells her, you know, everything is going well. You're going to have a little baby boy. And now I'm shocked because obviously the doctor is not keeping up with the plan. It, I mean, I've been talking to God about this, and we have a plan, and it's a baby girl. So the doctor needs to get his stuff together. Um, but it's okay. We give him grace. And due date comes, and my... My mom gives birth to this beautiful, perfect little girl. And she's actually right there. <laughs> and that is, <laughs> that is what I call um, God's best thing for me. And so just fast forward, it's, that was 2002. Now fast forward to June 24, 2021. Um, it's my birthday and I am turning 24 and it's a little different than other birthdays because I find myself crying my heart out on a bathroom floor. And I'm confused and I don't understand why this is happening. Um, God and I had a plan. It was the best plan, according to me. And this is just not how the plan was gonna go. And so I'm crying and I am confused and I am in pain and I'm just lost. And in, in the middle of that really messy picture, I look up and I see my sister. And she's not a baby anymore. And she looks at me and she hugs me and she tells me, I'm very sorry that you're going through this, but you're going to get the best. And 
that was just not the best. God is going to bless you so much that you're going to be happier than you ever thought that you've ever been. And I remember thinking five-year-old me would have believed those words so easily. Yet here I was at my 24 years, really trying my best to believe those words. And even though I've had years of years of God proving his goodness over and over to me in my life, um, I had not even half the faith that I had when I was five. But here's the thing, even though my faith changed, God never did. And he remains the same loving and faithful God that he was when I was five and when he gave me what I wanted because he knew that was the best for me in that time. But at my 24, what I thought was best for me, what I thought was the plan that we had was just not the best. And I wish I could be standing here telling you guys the end of that bathroom floor story and tell you that, you know, a month later I can look back and everything makes sense and the pain is gone and it's all happy, but I don't know the end yet. I'm still sometimes on that bathroom floor, but um, I do have proof, so, so much proof. I mean, not just my sister, now my brother. <laughs> I, have, I have so much proof that he, he will fulfill his promise and he will give me what's best. And I know a couple of people have already repeated this verse, but it has gotten me through this past month. And, is, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. And I hope that wherever you are, in a bathroom floor or in a really comfortable house surrounded by toys, that promise is in your heart and you can share it with those around you. Hi, everyone. Um, I planned my testimony. I'm really horrible at improv, so bear with me. Um, I decided to do this testimony because this past year and a half has been filled with so much trials and tribulation, but so much joy and victory that I, I feel like it's worth sharing um, and testifying against. So what I've been going through and been continuing to go through is something that I don't often talk about to a lot of people and a lot of people don't know about. And it's not something I'm ashamed about, but it's something that like people don't casually just bring up in conversation. So I'll kind of go over some like keywords and phrases and get a little bit into it, but I mean, of course, you can ask you about my story a little bit later. Um, but in this past year and a half, I have gone through family domestic violence so much so that I had to take a week off from school to protect my mom and my sister. Um, I've gone through uh, severe mental illness with someone in my family, substance abuse, jail time, or I had to put this person in jail myself. I've had to go through someone going through rehab. And on top of it all, I was in therapy at the time and I had to come to the acknowledgement and face the truth about you know, being sexually abused in my teens. And that was my year and a half on top of the pandemic. 
And so how does that just like naturally come up in conversation? It doesn't, it, it never does. And how do I smoothly transition from people asking me, oh, how, how's your family? Or when are you going back home to visit? To something like, oh, I actually, I don't talk to my dad anymore because he's very verbally abusive. Or um, I actually don't even go back home anymore. So I don't get those vacations and everything that, uh, or holidays that other people do. So on top of all the things that we went through this year, I don't seem to have the heart to tell people exactly what I've been battling and still battle to this day. Um, but I stand here today because I know that there's some of you in this audience right now who know exactly what I've been going through, or you know someone who's been going through exactly what I've been going through. And of course, there may be some of you that have no idea what that's even like, and that's perfectly okay too. But wherever you're at, I want you to know that life doesn't promise us eternal pleasantries or lasting moments of joy. God doesn't even promise that us that in this lifetime. What he does promise, however, is peace. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I want to emphasize two very important things with this passage because it's something that I've started to live by with this past year and a half. First one, he gives us peace. The kind that helps him as the ruler of all of the universe who sees day in and day out all the tragedies and nuances of everyday life. He gives this gift to us freely and willingly. Secondly, he does not give as the world gives. So the kind of peace he puts forth for us is not of this world. It's not your normal run-of-the-mill comfort, security, or healing. It's his peace, the kind of peace that only he can give. So beloved, don't just search for some immediate gratification when you're in the midst of suffering to keep you afloat. If you're in the fire, you don't need to go wandering off doing drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever else you can think of in your imagination or in reality. Through my suffering, I've learned that the one thing and the only thing you will ever need is God. Call upon him and his power. And yes, I still suffer in many of the same ways that I mentioned earlier. I do now. And it's still so hard to open up about. But I know that my story isn't over yet. And I know that your story isn't over yet. And your story isn't over yet. And your story isn't over yet. And I found peace in that, in God. So through this rough season, I have learned that you can seek and find peace, even in the darkest of nights. And I say this out loud to open your minds to that possibility. Start off by humbly seeking him out, giving it all to him, and you will find peace. The kind of peace that only he can provide. So don't let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. And if you, like me, were or are searching for some type of family to help you on that journey, know that you found it here, in this place and with me, and know that you will find it in God.
Did you have a word? All right, come, come. You sure? All right. I'm 6'5", I don't need that. Um, <laughs> but what we do need is God. And so I just want to, uh, hi, I'm Bronson, everyone. Hey, Bronson. I went on the hike. That was great. If you missed it, I'm sure you'll do another one, right? Okay, so I'm from New York, but I'm originally from California. I've lived out there for four years. I planned it, timed it great for COVID, right? Whew. And I'm like in the epicenter of the epicenter right there. And um, do you guys know what quarantine means? I know exactly what that means. Um, and I just have to say that being here, I planned my trip. I was like, oh, I can get out. Okay, they'll let us get on a plane. All right, I'm gone. I'm coming to California. I was like, I'm going to be here for like a week. And then I'm going to see my family. Then I got to get back because I got business. I got business, right? And then what's been amazing is I was like, I got to be here for this, this, this. And I did this, this, this. But every day, God has just been revealing amazing people I'm supposed to meet, amazing places I'm supposed to be. And I'm just like, God, really, again? And every day, I just wake up. I'm like, whoa, well, here we go. Um, and being here, I, I want to say thanks to my friend Sonia for um, inviting me here. Um, and the other testimony friends are amazing, right? Uh, but. Being here in New York, I live in Queens, New York, where it's like, uh, who's from Queens? Um, but I have to take like two trains and it takes over an hour on Saturday to get to a place that's, I'm not going to say the name, but to get a place that's close to this. And being in Nomeland, I know you we were surrounded by like every Adventist and everywhere. And I know it gets a little toxic sometime or I mean like, oh, everyone knows my business. But take it from me going like what, five minutes to get here? Like no one came further than five minutes, you know? Like and just next time, just imagine going to two different trains and then they're the local train. They're not the express because it's the weekend and they never do that. Um, so I just hope you guys realize how amazing you, what you have here. And I just want to say thank you guys very much for having me. And who knows, I could be gone tomorrow or who knows what God has for all of us, right? And can we just give everyone else's who gave their testimony a big round of applause? Because wow. <laughs> Tonight, I just want to tell you thank you so much to those of you who shared. I know that there are many more of you who would probably want to step up on this podium. We're going to be doing this a few times every year. And so I know that there are going to be more chances. And I pray that if you have a testimony, because I need to rephrase that, you have a testimony and you need to declare that to someone I pray that this week God would speak loudly, boldly, courageously into your life. As the band comes up, I just want to encourage you in this way. Do not ever say, God, I have nothing to declare for you. Do not say, Lord, I haven't gone through the gutter to be able to say, look at me now. Do not compare yourself to anyone because it is unique what Jesus has done and is doing and will do in your life. And someone needs to hear that. And so my prayer is that you would recognize testifying of who God is and what he's done in your life must be a regular lifestyle. It should be what happens daily, really. I remember one person who was an administrator, he stopped me. He said, you know what? You pray with too many people on our campus. This was back at college. It wasn't here because they're much holier here. 
And he said, you pray with too many people and you talk to them about Jesus. What in the world? I don't, ah, it just doesn't seem right. And you know what? I rebuke that spirit in Jesus' name. Because I believe we all need to declare who God is in our life all the time. And I know some of you are really shy and you, you stand behind the word introvert and you kind of put a wall there and like, I don't have to say too much. And someone's like, I, you're talking about me? And my wife would tell you all the time, you know. But God is going to use you no matter your personality. God is going to use you no matter your story. But will you be available? I wish we were singing that song right now, available. It's Lance. I know you can do that right now. He's like, what? But that's the thing. Who here is available? And I'm not talking about single or not single. I'm talking about are you available to Jesus to use you? Are you available for the Holy Spirit to use you as he yearns to use you? He's looking for someone. And many a time he passes by your house because you've got the door closed spiritually. Open up yourself this week to what Jesus yearns to do through you. Testify. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.